This is John Beethan, and this is what has my attention. Episode Women in Strong Leadership 33, How to Be a Strong Female Voice in a Room of Men, featuring Jamie Martin. Jamie's an accomplishment coaching graduate, and we're going to jump right into the conversation after letting you listen to a brief outtake of the conversation to give you a sense of what's to come. Jamie, I'm sensitive to the fact that what, you know, what you're talking about, you know, and, and being a woman in, in a room full of men is, you know, help me. Yeah, I would say, first thing, listen. And I mean, listen, don't just hear. And this is good for regardless if it's a female or not. Actually take the time to listen to what is ha- like somebody is saying. Pause long enough before you speak to take it truly in. In in like what we were saying earlier, pay attention to physical signs. It's amazing. Women are we we say a lot with our bodies. A lot. And if you can start to get attuned to that, you will be able to be such a strong ally and be able to help a woman show up as them and see when they're actually, you know, fading away versus showing up and standing and having something to say. You'll also notice when somebody has something to say and be able to ask them, bring them into the conversation. I would say the other piece of advice for for men I have, and I hate giving unsolicited advice, but start reflecting. Become aware of of how you show up in the world in terms of how you're you're actually supporting or not supporting women or other people um, of diverse backgrounds because one thing I, I have I have noticed in, in especially in tech is this sense of I believe I'm showing up and I'm talking as if I am but the behavior behind it doesn't align. Jamie Martin, welcome to the show. So great to have you. Thank you, John. I'm excited to have our conversation today. Yes. Now, you actually suggested the title, didn't you? I did. I did. It just kind of came out of thin air. So do you want to tell them what the uh, title is? Yeah. So the title is, it's How to Be a Female in a Room Full of Men. Yes. That's awesome. So what what uh, prompted you to have that uh, title and that com- the topic of the conversation. Yeah, you know, I think what prompted me was as we were talking about technology, I, I really we started talking along the lines of how limited there are limited women there are at, at the tech table. Yeah. And being one of them for I think it was about 17 years worth of being in technology, I really learned how to navigate still being myself, but mm-hmm. also being surrounded by men and powerful men in the tech business. I wasn't just in a room full of, you know, the lower, it's so bad when we talk about business, we're like the lower people, but. Oh yeah, I know. The lower people on the totem pole, sorry everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But I was was in the room with leaders and Uh it was all male leaders, you know? And so as we were talking about that, it it became clear that it was like, wait a second, this is a really important topic to have, to talk around. It sure is. So we're, today we're talking with Jamie Martin. If you go to jamiemartincoaching.com, and uh, we'll mention it again at the end. Um, this is not the end of the episode, by the way. So we're mm-hmm. just getting started. But I want to make sure everybody up at the top really had your information. Awesome. Thanks. So how, okay, so 
how did you, what did you learn about navigating in a room full of men? I mean, this is not something that just happens, right? I mean, no. and, 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 uh, and my partner, Stephanie, actually reminded me about um, a movie called Mommy Dearest. Oh, I don't know that movie. Yeah, she actually, she's an actress, and uh, I think the story is she ends up uh, taking over this company. You know, mm. it's like her father or something dies. And she walks into the boardroom with all these men and just looks every one of them in the eye, goes around the boardroom and says something like, don't give me any crap, boys. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, and on some level, that's kind of what you have to do. You really? know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, but it's not about. Like, I don't want to get the wrong impression that you you have to change yourself because I, I think the key is to actually be yourself. But yeah. it's also being so confident in who you are and what you believe in, mm -hmm. especially in a room full of guys to say, no, I disagree with what you're saying and here's why. Mm -hmm. um, because it's really easy to to slide back and be like, I'm just going to skirt down and, and and hide myself, even though I have a great idea and I have a lot to offer because all of the guys are aligned in their thinking and I'm the one voice that happens to be different. I'm the one perspective that's different. See, one thing that comes to mind about that is that I think this could be true for a lot of people in that room that are men. Oh, now, yeah. I think. I think a lot of times, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of men come forward with absolutely nothing to say. Yes, there right? are definitely those. Oh, yeah. I actually was in a room and I, I thought it was so funny. Um, it was an exec meeting that we were having at a company I was at. And I, was, I wasn't the top tier exec. So we, we allowed all the way to um, VP level. So you and we had a couple of different tiers. And we were, I don't even remember the topic we were talking about, but I was the one who raised my hand and asked the really hard question. And I think it was around sales. Like, what are you going to do to change how our sales are going? And the CFO turned behind me, turned to look at me because I was sitting behind him. He's like, thanks for asking that. That was what I was thinking. And I was like, you're the CFO. Why yeah. aren't you asking this question? You know, why aren't you the one raising your hand and having the tough conversation? So it is both women and, and men. But I do think women, especially when it's surrounded by men, when you're surrounded by men, either we lean too far into um, feeling like we have to be heard. Mm. And so we, we project something that we don't want to project. Um, and it's taken the wrong way. And my best story of this is my, my dad and I are very similar at the dinner table in the sense of we're typically pretty quiet and my mom and sister can talk throughout the whole dinner and you just can't get a word in. And there was one dinner where I just remember my dad and I kept being like, but get up eat. Yeah. the whole time. And finally we both blew up. Just let me talk, right? And so sometimes that's how we project ourselves a little bit. And it's it's just because we're frustrated with not being able to get a word in edgewise. Um, and I think so women sometimes come off more aggressive or it, it appears more aggressive because we're like trying to step into a role. Whereas mm -hmm. if we're just a little bit more who we are, that aggression wouldn't be there. 
And then on the flip side, we we tend to skirt back a lot more. I, I know a lot of women who are just like, oh, they said what I was going to say anyways. Yeah. You know, I'm learning a lot. Um, and, you know, I'm really leading these days with, um, you know, presenting as many women as I can, and specifically women in strong leadership. That would be you. Yeah. So somebody the other day actually uh, presented a model to me I'd never heard before, which is kind of how men are and kind of how women are. So men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Are you familiar with that model? I haven't heard that one. Yeah. So it's the idea is that men compartmentalize things, label things, and they got to have it organized and all the rest of it, where women have a tendency to work like spaghetti. It's just from one thing to the other. And see, and that works really well for me because I have the gift of ADD. I chunk mm. sideways. I can go just kind of anywhere. Sometimes I leave people behind. Sometimes I frustrate other people too as well. Yeah. But yeah. tell me a little bit more about your kind of your, your experience. I mean, did you consciously had to really think about this in terms of really trying to get yourself um, be yourself and known in a room full of men? I mean, what did you do? So it's interesting. I was thinking about that earlier and I kind of fell into it. Um, and I think that's partially because as a child, I was, I was super shy, super shy, but I always intentionally put myself in uncomfortable positions. So mm. I would go to camp by myself. I would ask my mom to go, let me do this thing. I never didn't know anybody in. And so I was always putting myself in uncomfortable positions. And as a result, I had to learn how to show up as me mm. as much as possible. Um, and I also saw the vulnerability my sister had in terms of how she was showing up and trying to be somebody else. So she struggled a lot with that because just by meeting friends, she struggled. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to, mm. eh, if they don't like me, they don't like me. And so when I went to engineering school, that was like the first for, foray into being the only, you know, one of the only females in a room or, you know, 10% of the room. And you, you really start to learn to navigate that piece a little bit of like, Oh, what, what can I do? And what can I say? And, and how do I rally for myself? And during my senior year, my senior design project was really where one of my friends and I had to rally for ourselves because there was only three of us on the project of what is typically a five to seven person team. And the, the male in our group actually fell off. He pretty much didn't do any of the, any of the work. And so, we had a, and he was a good friend of ours too. What, was he waiting for you guys to do the dishes or something? Kind so of. So to speak. <laughs> so you to know? speak. So to speak, he was. I mean, we, and we, we were working up all hours of the night putting together stuff. And um, in fact, we had somebody steal some of our, our like visuals from us mm. as we were working on it. It was fascinating. But her and I knew that for us, we were so proud of what we were doing that we weren't willing to let some somebody else take credit for it. And so we we had to have a, our hard, the first hard conversation of what I would say is my career by going to our professor and saying, hey, we don't want to throw him another bus, but you need to know. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm already aware because senior design projects in engineering school, you've got a supervisor, you've got other people around him. He was like, I'm already aware and thank you for, but thank you for bringing it forward. And that was really the first time where I was like, oh, I can have, I can show up and be me and say my voice and be okay with that. Um, and so that really happened 
start that was the start of it after that it was just kind of like all right take it or leave it this is what i'm going to say this is who i am i got and, this and this is this is what it is and my my last job when i got hired you know a few months into it uh my boss uh the guy who basically brought me into the company just looked at me he's like oh jamie i said you hired me you knew you worked me with me before and you know i'm not going to bite my tongue i'm going to say the hard things and i'm going to it doesn't matter if it's the ceo a board member you or somebody else i am i'm just going to say what you may not want to hear yeah and it's not you're not trying to be mean or anything else it's just so this is comes under yeah. something i'm learning which is the, the courageous conversation yes right so courage that's what it takes and courage means a lot of different things to many different people what does it mean to you courage to me is really being able to stand up for your values in the face of not just differing opinions but yeah. the pressure to do something that might benefit a certain perspective even though it doesn't align with your values it's being able mm. to say uh, I I just can't do this. I can't put my name to this. It also means saying I'm scared to death of doing this thing, but I want to do it and I'm going to do it anyways. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going through this right now. And oh yeah. It, oh, oh sure. I mean, the more I spend with, you know, accomplishment coaching women, haven't spent any time with men from the from that program, but God, it's so rich and so so great. And uh, yes, um, you know, I'm just I had a dream the other morning. You know, basically, and this happens to me often. I'll wake up in the morning with a naha, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen like every day, but it was like I don't want to get too spiritual or religious here, but it just it was a directive mm. to to basically in my business. Imagine podcasting is just be available to elevate women's voices. Focus on that. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean I wouldn't do other work, but I just, I think it's so important and I'm just getting so much out of it, but it's, it's yeah. gonna require some courage from me. For sure, for sure. And I, I think that that's true with every male ally. Um, yeah. I had a great ally at my last job who would make sure that if you said something and somebody tried to talk over you, he would stop the conversation. He'd be like, wait a second, you know, Jamie was talking or Kelly was talking or, oh, wasn't that so-and-so's idea, right? And it does actually take a lot of courage from an, a guy's perspective to do that, of being able to say, A, being willing to listen for it and then be the one to say to their, their, their colleagues, hey, you need, to, you need to quiet down give this person a chance to talk. And I think that that's true regardless of male or female, right? Yeah. Um, Cause I've seen a lot of guys get talk, talked over too. Are you familiar with the talking stick? I am, I am. So that's- I've yet to see it work at, like actually be done in corporate America, but- Yeah, like who's gonna bring out a stick and, and lay out the rules is, you, you know, you pass the stick around and, and, the, and the person that has the stick is the only one allowed to talk. And when they're done, they pass it on. Yeah. which I think I've been through that before living in Santa Fe, New Mexico. There's a lots of rich things like that, that I became aware of because it's part of a native culture really. Yeah. Definitely. But it works, works really well. 
Yeah, especially I feel like that works well for the quiet people in the room, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, the people who you don't get to hear their voice that often because they like to they like to stay behind the curtain. Yeah. So you're basically saying relax and be yourself. Yeah. That's really it. That's really it. It's it's. I know that sounds so simple on the surface, but it's 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 actually takes a lot more courage to be that way uh-huh. because I think we're, we're trained, especially women, we're trained to, that you have to show up a specific way. You have so tell to me, show tell me more about that. I don't have a clear view yeah. of that. And I want to walk in, I want to walk in this a little bit so I can understand it and share it with others on this podcast. For sure. I, I think we're, we're told we are, well, first off appearance, uh-huh. Appearance is so critical that like you're supposed to dress a certain way as a female professional. You're supposed to wear makeup. You're supposed to have your hair a certain way, shape or form. Um, even to the point that I, I hired a, a girl who wore, I think she was it when she interviewed, I think she had purple hair could have mm-hmm. been blue, but she had purple hair. And some, somebody, one of the guys interviewing her was like, Jamie, purple hair. And I was like, we're a tech company. It's okay. (laughs) And besides that, it's pretty darn cool. Right? Exactly. I was like, oh, I wish I, that's the one thing. I wish I had the balls to do that. Um, Sorry, that's a terrible phrase. A turn of no, 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 it's no, it's not. We're going to, we'll have to do a follow up after you get your hair done, you know, or whatever, whatever, purple hair. Would it be purple hair or would it be blue? Probably blue. Okay. Probably blue. Uh, it's my favorite color. Not that we completely digress. So, um, but that's that's the first thing that we we are told to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other piece is that we're told that we are supposed to be like guys. We're supposed to be in a room and project the same energy that a guy projects in order to be at the table. You have to be that way. Um, and that sounds like being aggressive. Mm-hmm. It sounds like being firm. It sounds like um, being outspoken, mm-hmm. which when it comes to a guy, that sounds like a leader. It mm-hmm. shows up like a leader. It shows up like somebody brilliant and smart. But when it comes off from a woman, because we're stepping out of our own role mm-hmm. as a the way we typically are, it becomes, can I swear on the, the podcast? Absolutely. Okay. She, yes. Becomes she's a bitch. Mm. She is super aggressive and you're not able to work with her. So we're told to act like a guy, but when we do, we're labeled a bitch. Yeah. Gosh, you know? it really bothers and me. So yeah, I, it's unfortunate. I, there, there's something I want to bring up, which is that we are told. So mm-hmm. when I asked the question, what, when you said that, it, what came up is, who is telling you this? Is this coming externally or is this internal dialogue that you just kind of pick up? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh-huh. Um, so here's, here's an example of where the external comes in. Okay. is I have never been somebody who dresses up. And when I first started in tech, my parents would look at what I was wearing and they're like, Jamie, you're crazy. You you can't wear t-shirts and a hoodie to work. And I was like, well, I can. <laughs> I 
no one slapped my hand yet. Um, and in fact, went to the fanciest steakhouse in Chicago with a hoodie on and didn't blink an eye. But my mom and dad were like, you, you have to dress up. You have to be professional, right? And this is true of everybody, right? And guys and, and, and women mm -hmm. that were told you're supposed to dress for the job you want. Dress for success. Dress for success. Um, but if you're not comfortable in, in that style of dressing, and what they also describe what it is, right? They don't just say dress for success. They go to the level of you should be wearing a suit if you want to be an executive. You should be wearing this. You should be wearing that versus dress for success and being comfortable in, in your being, who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's that's the external side. But now you start to internalize all of that right? Especially women, we're terrible about how we internalize things, right? Um, from an early age, we're reading beauty magazines. And oh, I, I know it's right. I mean, what 3000 marketing messages a day, and most of them are just terrible, terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, and you wonder why, you know, we all wonder why we have terrible self esteem. But there's also a lot of articles out there about, you know, this is how you're supposed to show up at work. And, and I actually just listened to a brilliant woman talk about culture and generations. Um, and I, for the life of me, can't remember her name, mm -hmm. but she was talking about how each generation we've really built upon each other's experiences. Mm. And what we've seen now is that the, you know, the boomer generation, has a specific view as to how you are, what a professional looks like, mm -hmm. but we've never told the millennials hmm. what that view is. And so as a millennial shows up, they think, well, this is just how it, how it is. But the boomers are like, oh, that's not professional. That's not this, this, and that. But it shows how like certain, as we've moved through our culture, we're actually taught different things. Mm. But the basis is really like for a female, you're not good enough. Mm. You need to act like something else in order to be at the table. Yeah, that goes along with uh, fake it till you make it, which I don't Ugh. agree with at all, which is terrible. It is terrible. It is terrible advice. I think everybody already has enough in them mm -hmm. to be brilliant in their work. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to pretend to be something else. You don't have to even strive in a way that doesn't feel comfortable to you. You're, you won't, it won't work. It just, it won't work. Um, you're going to hit your head against the wall and you're going to be miserable in the process. One of the best pieces of advice I gave myself mm -hmm. was at the age of 50 where I realized I knew what I knew, I knew what I didn't know, and I was perfectly happy talking about either one. Meaning that before that, for the, that thing I didn't really know anything about, I would talk like I did, but I didn't. Mm. And then the other thing was that I got to a place where I really didn't give a shit about what people thought of me. Oh, and, and when that's that, a great place. And yeah, when that came, it didn't just like bang, everything changed. Then there, then the work was required. The work was required to apply it to my life, you know, to apply it to internal dialogue, 
to personal inquiry and, and all that kind of stuff and all that. Yeah. It's the practicing, you know, I think what, what I hear in a lot of that is the, Hey, you can have an awareness, but if you don't start practicing it Mm -hmm. and really like doing the work to build off of it, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just an awareness. Um, and that's the hard part with, for a lot of people is having the awareness and then still going and doing the hard work after the fact. Um, but I love the like idea of being able to just not know something. It's, Uh I learned that pretty early on be able to say, I really just don't know that. Now I didn't always say it out loud. It, it wasn't until later in my career where I was able to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like mm. acronyms. Oh, they drive yeah. me crazy. I never know what an acronym is. And at this point I don't, I don't mind being like, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. What is that? What does that mean? Um, and it's so freeing when you don't feel like you have to pretend to know it all. Yeah. Well, people have probably heard me say this before, but um, I think labels are for pickle jars. Mm. And in fact, you know, there's been so much in the last few years, political conversation. And when somebody says, oh, I'm, you know, it's like I'm, I'm from the right. Um, I've taken the kind of the stance and the curiosity to ask the right, what do you mean? Well, you know, I take the, you know, right. I go, I actually don't know what you mean. Please explain it to me. And the reason is, is everybody has a different idea about what the right means or the left means or racism or being mm-hmm. successful or all these things we're talking about, you know, it's like people have different ideas and models in their mind about what it all means. What does it mean to be successful? You know? Yeah. So well, what does I it? Actually, it, it? It's individual. It's 100% individual. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had that conversation with, we had a women's group at my last company and we actually asked that question. We said, what does success look like for you? And everybody sat there and went, Oh, well, I don't know. One And one woman was like, I want to be on the C, C team. Great. Somebody else was like, you know, I don't even want to manage people. I just want to do a good job. And that's mm-hmm. success. Being able to come in, do my job and do it well and not have to worry about the politics around it. So it's so individual. And so, sometimes it's not even about career. Mm-hmm. You know, success could be simply... I want to live such a fulfilled life that I am waking up and enjoying the challenges and the hurdles that life brings my way, mm. you know? And, and I think that that's when we start to relate to it in a way that is very personal to us, that's when we can start to have a successful life. So what does success mean to you? I think you may have just given us some hints, but what is success? Yeah, for me, it's really about, being able to impact other people's lives first, firstly, and being able to be present in my own life and enjoying the experience of life, regardless of what it is. Um, so for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was experiencing a ton of shame, a ton of guilt. Um, and it was the first time that I was able to actually like feel into that and release it all within the same moment mm. and ride the wave. And it was the best experience I've had in a long time about handling. And when I, it's funny, I say handling emotion, but really allowing emotion to be. Mm. 
and that that to me is really being able to live my life fully and that's that is success to me to feel it and move through it mm-hmm. what however yeah. it feels with whatever outcome whatever outcome it is just surrendering and allowing what shows up to show up mm-hmm. it took me a long time to get there I will say it took me a long time to get there. Um, and, and really I had to go through infertility with my son in order to get to that place where it was like, oh, this is what success looks like for me. I was really being able to feel the, the experience of living regardless of how painful it is. Hmm. That's courageous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I hid it for a long time. For a long yeah. time I didn't. Feelings were not my thing. So what do you do in your coaching business? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I work primarily with women um, Mm -hmm. who have just been going for so long. They've really just lost themselves. Mm -hmm. I kind of liken it to um, somebody who's been on the career ladder who all of a sudden looks around and goes, huh, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Why, Why am I here? or they're a stay-at-home mom and all of a sudden the kids are leaving the house and they're, they realize that they've spent 18 years being somebody else, right? They didn't really connect with themselves. Um, a, a great example is I had a conversation with two women a couple weeks ago who I asked them, I was like, well, what do you do for fun? They have younger children, they're under the age of 10. Um, and they looked at me and they went, fun, fun? <laughs> You mean outside my children? It's like, yes, outside of your children. Um, so those are the women I really work with to help them understand, like your question, what does success look like? What does success look like for you in your life? What's that bigger picture of what success is? And then how do we go about getting that? What does it look like? I'm so, kind of curious, how does your engineering background fit into this? Was it useful? Is it oh useful? my gosh, it's so useful. Yeah, tell me more. I'm curious. Ironically, it's so useful. Um, and it wasn't until somebody else that I, I, I talked to said, she was like, you kind of use the scientific method when you coach. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I kind of do. A lot of it has to do with, so kind of backing up, I, I studied industrial and operations engineering, which is has a huge component of human-centered design or ergonomics. So I was always fascinated in that side of engineering. How does, how does the human element come into what we build? And often when you start to think about science, we typically in society think that there's a lot of fact involved in science, mm-hmm. right? We're like, we're, why, COVID's a great example, right? Why aren't we being told exactly what we're supposed to do? And why does it keep changing? We learn science. every day, it's science. Um, and, and science, it's really, and, and engineering, it's all about a theory, right? You put a theory out there and are able to actually then start testing it and go mm. from there. Um, and that, that's how I kind of work with my clients is I start to think about like, oh, as we're working, oh, I kind of have a th- theory and I put my curiosity hat on and start going down that, that path to see, does it land? Does it mm. land for my clients? Um, and, and then see where it takes us from there. And so that's really how I kind of leverage that background. Um, how do you, how do you know with your clients if it's landed or not? Oh, there's this, 
energy. It's, it's really hard to explain, but there's an energy or like, there's this moment where you kind of feel the whole, their whole body go, oh, it's very visceral. It's very visceral. Yeah. And I actually had somebody where we were talking about purpose and as we were exploring it, all of a sudden it was like a thunk. Like I could hear the thunk. Mm. And I'm like, what, what just happened? And she was just like, that's it. That word, that word is my purpose. Um, you know, and it's all about being in tune with your body. And, and for me, it's about how do I listen for that? Mm. How do I hear it over the phone? How do I get to know my client well enough to know when they sigh what that sigh actually means? Mm. Not necessarily that I know what it means, but like that there's something there that they heard. And then I have to get curious about what that sigh is so that they can articulate it, not just yeah. for me, but really for themselves. Yeah. So you're paying great attention to them. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And just uh, noticing exactly when there's the aha, no matter what form it comes into. Yeah, and, completely. And usually it's not that, you know, it's funny because I feel like Oprah was the one who brought the aha forward and it felt like mm -hmm. it was this very big, like, relief of an aha, right? The light mm -hmm. bulb goes on and all of a sudden it's bright and light. What I've noticed is that it's actually almost more like you landed on the ground. Mm. You become more grounded in that moment where it's like, oh, oh, right? It's not, it's not as like, oh, beautiful. Nice. Yeah. I, I worked briefly with a woman down here in Southern California, Carrie, uh, Carrie Lake, and uh, she taught me mind watch the body. Mm in terms of, you know, so much goes on in the head and all the rest of it. But there's this whole approach and idea that uh, mind, I'm grateful for you because you keep me out of trouble. I'm driving a car and it keeps me out of trouble. It keeps me from getting a crash. It helps me do with my grocery shopping, da, 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 da. But today I want to teach you something new and I'm gonna teach you to watch the body, right? Because yes. most yes. people aren't really paying attention to what's going on in their body, right? Oh gosh, no. And in, in fact, it's your body tells you a lot. It mm -hmm. tells you so much. I, I had back pain for most of my twenties, um, terrible back pain. And I finally got to a doctor here in Chicago who does mind body work. Mm -hmm. And through that work, it just, I haven't had a back problem in 15 years. Because you were just aware of it? Because I became aware of what my body was telling me. Mm -hmm. And whenever I had back problems, I realized that it had to do with, I was afraid of wherever I was going. So there was some forward motion that I was doing that I was scared to death of. And that was something that allowed me to start actually exploring that. And so every time I had that back problem, I'm like, oh, what's going on in my life that I'm scared of? And now I can have that, I can actually explore it. So my body doesn't have to react mm. in order for me to hear it anymore. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's such a brilliant vehicle that we have our, our bodies and being able to listen to it. And, and it tells us a lot. Hopefully, hopefully most people, it doesn't have to go to the extreme of illness. <laughs> right. But, right. You know, that's, that's when you know you haven't been listening to it for a very long time. Circling back a little bit. Yeah. What did, what do you think, um, 
what would be most useful to men to know about how to, as a woman, how to show up in a room full of men? I mean, we, yeah. coming from this kind of level, I mean, I, I have some assumptions, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. What would you tell them? If there was, if I, I came to you and say, Jamie, I'm sensitive to the fact that what, you know, what you're talking about, you know, and, and being a woman in, in a room full of men is, you know, help me. Yeah, I would say, first thing, mm-hmm. listen. And I mean, listen, don't just hear. And this is good for regardless if it's a female or not. Sure. Actually take the time to listen to what is ha- like somebody is saying. Pause long enough before you speak to take it truly in. Um, in in like what we were saying earlier, pay attention to physical signs. It's amazing. Women are we we say a lot with our bodies, a lot. And if you can start to get attuned to that, you will be able to be such a strong ally and be able to help a woman show up as them and see when they're actually, you know, fading away versus showing up and standing and having something to say. You'll also notice when somebody has something to say and be able to ask them, bring them into the conversation. You know, so if you see that somebody's really kind of like got that language, like, oh, I really, I have something I want to say, but I'm not going to invite them to have that, to open up and then give them, give them the floor. There's many different uh, online groups I do with many different people, groups of people. And this one particular group, they kind of have this model where everyone's muted and then somebody raises their hand and they call on them. Mm-hmm. So my problem with it is when I have something to say, once again, back to the gift of ADD, if I don't express it now, it's gone. Yeah. You know, so... I have observed in that group a whole lot of, I mean, I can see when people have something to say. And mm-hmm. so what, what I've learned is if I'm, if I'm uh, hosting a group, which I do several, then I, I can see that somebody has something to say, but for whatever reason, they don't have the courage to just speak up. And I tell everybody, unmute yourself. Just be respectful and don't talk over people and slow down. Mm-hmm. way down way down well and i think zoom actually has I, I would hope has helped that because you mm-hmm. have to pause because there's that delay people have had to learn to pause a little bit at least i'm mm-hmm. hoping that that is the case <laughs> um but i think that that's that's so critical of of everything right every conversation pause long enough to actually take in what is happening and put your facilitator hat on, even if you're not a facilitator. Because, awesome. right, the facilitator yep. can only do so much in a room. They can they can do the best to bring out people, but sometimes they need everybody else in the room to be able to do what you are doing, John, of, of watching and looking and being like, invite somebody into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Especially the, the, the women or the people of you know color or the mm-hmm. people who just don't speak. Mm-hmm. Because they tend to be the ones who have observed a lot and have brilliant ideas Yep. that are probably just sitting in the closet room right now, just hi- hanging out in the back 
not brilliant ideas because they haven't been speaking, sitting there, well form formulated ideas. Exactly. I've seen yet, that before. Oh yeah. And yet they don't want to say a word or they never get a chance to. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's wind this up. Is there anything else that maybe we didn't cover that uh, you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I think that, that that probably is it. Oh, well, actually, one more thing. Oh, good. This is oh, the icing more. on the cake. I love it. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those where I would say the other piece of advice for, for men I have, and I hate giving a, a unsolicited advice, but start reflecting. Become aware of, of how you show up in the world in terms of how you're you're actually supporting or not supporting, you know, women or other people um, of, of diverse backgrounds. Because one thing I, I have I have noticed, in, in especially in tech, is this sense of, I believe I'm showing up and I'm talking as if I am, but the behavior behind it doesn't align. So people who come into um, a women's group and are like, I'm, I'm gonna be your executive sponsor. And then yet, in meetings, don't look at females, take females ideas, you know, do all of the things that women that show that women don't care, don't matter. Um, so do really build your own awareness as to how you are relating to other people, both both women and, you know, any anybody of a diverse background. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, even your white male counterparts, because mm -hmm. you might be surprised as to how you're interacting and how that can stifle the, the people around you. One little exercise I really enjoy doing is um, just keeping in mind that the meaning of my communication is the response I get. Yes. If you're focusing on you all the time, you're not going to know how you are, what your meaning is to other people. So I think people have a tendency to say things without really thinking about it. I think we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but just pay attention to how it's landing, right? Completely, yes. It's so, that is such an important thing. And it's something that we do as coaches a lot is how did that land for you? Um, mm. Because I may, especially when I'm talking about like that scientific view, I may think I have a theory and then it lands and the person looks at me and goes, ah, no, you're so wrong, Jamie. And that, But then they start talking more. And now mm. I have a new place to go with them. Mm, I have a new nice. place to explore. And you would be amazed if you start paying attention to that just in your everyday life, you may build better relationships. Mm. And all of a sudden what you thought were terrible, you know, these terrible relationships you had are flourishing in a way that you didn't even know. Mm. Very nice, very, very nice. Thank you so much for being here and helping me understand some things that just have been elusive to me. You know, it's really, really helpful. I really love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So, and if you have thoughts about anything at all, um, about coming back and doing something else, just let me know. I definitely will. And I didn't ask the question, and I will now. It's like outside of all this... What do you really enjoy doing? Oh, I love gardening. Oh, nice. Love gardening, even though the rabbits are killing us this year. 
Um, <laughs> we planted so many perennials and we've got four adult rabbits and two babies, but they've already multiplied because I've seen a recent baby and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. They're cute, but. So you don't get to benefit the harvest, but you probably enjoyed the whole process of putting the thing together, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But we will benefit from the harvest. You will. We have enough good. tomato plants that we will benefit from the harvest. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, again, thanks for being here. I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. yeah. Bye.